Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode brought to you by Of Leadership. I'm Alex. I'm John. And I'm Zach. And this is episode 90. Episode 90, John. Boom. Oh, um, episode 90. <laughs> uh, so episode 90 reminds me of I-90. So if mm. you take I-90 and you head west, you go to the flattest state in the union, which is Florida. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that makes sense. Um, also, uh, we are going to be doing a little bit something different tonight. It's called OQA. I think Oqua. we're coining this as OQA. Mm-hmm. Um, observation, question, and application. Um, we have a $99 master class if you're interested. Uh-huh, yes. It's a, a very well thought out um, mentorship opportunity from us to you. We're the ones who receive the opportunity and $99 and you get a worksheet that will include Oqua, maybe with a W uh-huh. at some point. Uh-huh. And a word search too. Yes. So. And, and I think more and more acronyms because I love them. So uh, You love acronyms. Uh-huh. We have spectrums, acronyms, and... Pedagogy. <laughs> what did you say? Pedagogy. Pedagogy. Yes. I love how you even said it incorrectly. So, um, but what we're... I would say kind of basing our podcast on is diversity. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to jump into that in a second. By the way, uh, speaking of 90, I want to shout out T90, who uh, does episodes mm. about Age of Empires too, of course. But Boom, yeah. right there for you, <laughs> and, and Star Wars fans. And I'd like to shout out Valvoline because their premium oil costs $90 before your coupon, and you should have a coupon. Wow. Wait, what? Ninety dollars for ninety dollars for synthetic a for a pint. No, no, no for for the full change. Oh, the wow. change. I was thinking. Yeah, four four point seven quarts, I believe. Goodness. What are you, are you putting that in your car? That's what the uh, manufacturer recommends. <laughs> full synthetic for a fusion. <laughs> oh, not the fusion. No, so, we just pee in that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice saline. Really gets really yes, gets the right, car going. Right. Right. Okay, so a uh, recap of the last episode was the Puritan work ethic. Um, so we looked at the beginning stages of the United States and where the system overall has its work ethic, and we drew that back to the Puritan work ethic. I don't want to give a whole lot to you. I think you should just go back and listen to it if that um, piques your interest. Um, P-E-A-K-S, peaks. I think I it's... And don't take that for granted. Peak. It's P I Q U E, <laughs> similar to Piqua, as in County of Ohio. Uh, speaking of Piqua, I think we should Oqua the next thing. Let's do it. Yeah. So um, tonight, tonight, today, this morning, whenever you're listening to this podcast, I don't know. Um, I'm going to make an observation here. It's going to be kind of crazy. You know, we've been living in COVID, and some things have been going on in the world. And I've made this observation. I'm a very astute person, um, so. This is going to be earth-shattering, I realize. Oh, we have a problem with diversity currently. <laughs> I think um, socially, um, within the American system, uh, we don't like to approach this subject. And systemically, I've seen that and thought, gee, I wonder why we can't approach this subject. Why can't I talk to people about this? And you know, over my lifetime, I've heard people say, There's a couple things you don't talk about. You don't talk about religion with people, and you don't talk about politics. Um, Now, my Spectrum friend over here, um, $89 a month, uh, Zach, he uh, would say something along the lines that, you know, it is a spectrum and the ability to talk to people about politics and religion and diversity. 
it should be on a spectrum and it could be very, very difficult or it can be, you know, a little bit easier. Well, um, specifically in this time frame, because of our political culture, I have noticed and observed that there's a lot of groupthink um, and a lack of a spectrum. And so we have people who are really willing to jump in and talk about um, social justice type things and diversity specifically. And then we have another group of people who are like, nah, I don't want to approach that. Um, and so meanwhile, they may put certain people who maybe don't sit on either end of those um, at a weird spot in which I have found myself a bit awkward and anxietal, although that's not a word, so I'm sorry I'm saying that, um, only mildly, that it's hard to approach others to talk about such things. Um, and I don't know if that's because of my bias, because of my anxiety, um, but we're all feeling it. It makes us feel uncomfortable. Um, so, and that's, that's what I'm seeing right now. And I'm observing that not only, in, not only in myself, but in other people. You started off the podcast saying, hello, friends. But after that, you got into diversity and you said, it's a problem. Mm. Right? Yes. Um, so, well, diversity is not a problem. <laughs> that's, I mean, you I, said we have a problem with diversity. Okay. So, what is the problem? So, the, okay. what is the, in your mind? What is the problem with diversity? The topic? Yeah. So that was my first question. So, I think in my what I'm noticing is that uh, when talking about such a subject as diversity, um, the way that you approach that it's been approached to other people tends to eat, well, I've seen a lot more turn other people off okay. than so are you open the, to the subject. So are you saying that you have a problem, mm -hmm. like diversity is a problem, like lack of diversity, or are you focusing on the, the ability to talk about the subject? Yeah, so talk about the subject and then okay. see it as something that's maybe viable to chat about. Okay. And that um, specifically within our society, something that we should be embracing. Um Yes. So it's not the topic itself. It's the ability to talk about the topic. Oh, yeah. It's almost like it's some system we live in that makes things awkward and hard to do. Things. Okay. Yes. And what would that system be? Uh, well, I think we have, we live in the, uh, a, a lot of different systems. Politically, uh, we're in a system right now uh, and societally because of COVID. I believe that we have a lot of groupthink. We have one side or the other side. Uh, without being able to approach another person or group and talk about such issues as diversity or other topics in, in a manner in which there's listening and growth. That's, that would be my observation. Um, I'm just here for observations. I believe Zach's here for application, so um, you're not allowed to talk. So you're, you're saying that uh, with the topic of diversity, there is some uh, splits. There's some people want to talk about, some people want to avoid it. Yes. Um, and it's difficult to talk about. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned systems. Yes. In a chronically anxious system, when you look at that, and uh, in, in, in this podcast, we look at Bowen theory, it looks at the level of anxiety in a system and the emotional maturity of the people in the system, typically the leaders of that system. So... In your guys' best thinking, what is the current level of chronic anxiety in the United States and how much emotional maturity have our leaders shown? You want to address either of those? 
Mm. Chronic. Sorry. So just a, a quick uh, definition, and then I'm going to throw it to Zach, Mr. Application, tonight. Uh, chronic uh, is something that's going to be sitting there uh, and not necessarily approached over time um, and it may rear its head into different applications. Um, I like to think of it as, okay, we don't talk about this subject, and then when it pops up, it may lead you to a spot of an acute anxiety at the point. So acute anxiety is the um, fight, flight, freeze, the... Appease. Appease, yes. Mm, I like it. It rhymes. And so those are some options that you could have. But if we just kind of don't talk about it and we just let it sit there, then that's your chronic. And it just kind of leeches behind there. It's the elephant in the room. It's the boogeyman in the in the closet. It's the, uh, I don't know, what have you. Zach? Oh, are we talking about the boogeyman now? Is that a question about the <laughs> no, boogeyman? No, no, no. No, I, He's not in the closet. He's under the bed. Oh, okay. So well, wherever he may be, we're talking about chronic anxiety. And, and, and John asked about the level of chronic anxiety within our current system, um, as in we are in June. What's the first? Why, why, why can't I remember what day this is? Uh, well, it's it's... It's May 4, June, and it's actually the first. It will literally be the first. Oh, yes, it is June That's 1st. why you're thinking. Because we're recording this yeah. on June 1st, gentlemen. Yes, live. Yes. So chronic anxiety on June 1st, 2021, go. Uh, so I would actually say that my awareness of chronic anxiety, and I believe part of the question specifically involved the leaders, if they're handling or responding to things maturely and how that affects the chronic anxiety. And I would say that I don't have particularly any awareness of that at this time, other than I recently saw, if we're talking about our biggest political leader right now, I believe in May-ish, mid-May, the, the most I remember reading is a headline that thought negatively of Mr. Joe Biden's um, handling of things, that he was pretty quick to snap at some people, what seemed to be the implication, um that he could be a little frustrating to work with. And other than that, I don't think I have the mm -hmm. awareness of that. And I also don't know how much I trust my casual exposures with the media since, especially over the past year. Mm -hmm. so, and there's a burnout in that. Uh, now, part of that also means that I think chronic anxiety is higher as a result of that, as the media has both been divisive and there's a lot of anxiety and fear at play just in general, both about sending your kids outside to play and also the state of the future of our nation, whatever that might be. Mm -hmm. So you started off, uh, Alex, with the observation that the conversation about diversity is difficult to mm -hmm. have. And so I'm going to get to the qua part of the OQA and to look at a question to ask. So I think this is a helpful question to ask. So I'll ask it and see what you think. So as we discuss the topic of diversity, reflect on these two questions. What is your role in keeping this problem in place? So the fact that talking about diversity is difficult to do, oftentimes we don't talk about it, or if we do, we try to convince the other that they're wrong. So what is my role in keeping this problem in place? And then secondly, how can I change my role? So from a system standpoint, 
systems get stuck when people play the same role over and over again. And oftentimes when anxiety rises, we kind of double down on what we did before, which can be convincing other people that they're wrong, that they need to change, blaming, or denying that there's a problem to begin with. And so, again, the questions are, and this is good for any leader's applications coming, Zach, I know, but, you know, what is your role in keeping this problem in place? And you can put anything in here, by the way, a company culture, marital troubles, you know, anger, you know, whatever it might be. What is your role in keeping the problem stuck? And then secondly, how can you change your role or do something different from a thoughtful standpoint? So how would you address those questions regarding diversity and the difficulty in having conversations about that fraught topic? On a, a slightly smaller scope, more generalized than diversity, I just want to say, like, uh, as I've been reading through Avram's book, uh, which I know you've gone through, John, about mm-hmm. uh, just beginner family therapy, which has been really interesting. One of the things in the early chapters that really hit home with me was the vested interest we have in keeping things the way they are. And just an awareness of that, a thoughtfulness, a question is often enough to change the system. They don't need to understand it. They don't even really need to be aware of it, but the question itself coming from a place of a curiosity can often be enough to change it. But just being able to question why things are the way they are and what our vested interest in, especially if we can have someone else point that out to us, pose the question per se, uh, that's just huge. And just thinking through the idea of uh, I actually play a part and keeping things as diverse as they are, right? Making it not more diverse or not less diverse. Whatever it is. Yeah, whatever it is, I play some part in that, or I play some part in the change of that, making it more diverse or making it less diverse. Like I'm I'm somewhere in there, and I have a vested interest in making it that way, even if I don't consciously realize that. I think that's really helpful. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about diversity. Systemically, let's not. Mm-hmm because we're comfortable with wherever level of diversity mm-hmm. we have, whatever the homeostasis is, mm-hmm. bing, where systems like to stay where they are, mm-hmm. healthily, unhealthily, that's where it's at. So I think that stuckness piece is is interesting. Yeah, we talked about this earlier today, you, John, um, about staying safe, you know, being safe. And and that's that's part of that being stuck is, um, you know, as humans, um, you know, I mean, a part of our evolution is, is survival, right? And so survival is being safe. Um, and that's part of that is, is it's safer for me to not have to be in this, these awkward situations or safer to be only with this group of people to talk about these certain things or not even to broach those topics. Anxious systems value safety, certainty mm-hmm. over risk. You mentioned earlier, not sure where this conversation is going to go, so it's safer mm-hmm. just to not have it. Mm-hmm. That's stuck. Yeah, and I do wonder, and I don't mean to step on um, Zach's fingers here when, when I say this. Um, uh, I screwed where up. Where are my fingers? <laughs> He's dra- they, they typically drag on the ground. Yes. The tri- your knuckles. Yeah, yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
when it comes to broaching these subjects, I do wonder if there is, so you're, you're talking to a, a specific group of people, whether it's the people you feel safest with and you want to perhaps have a discussion about diversity or what have you, the, the thing that might be, we might be stuck or thinking through or whatever. I do wonder if there's a, a there's some sort of guiding principle or there's some sort of, we'll stick with guiding principles, some sort of backbone that we all believe in that actually ties into maybe why we're doing the things we're doing and why we want to be safe or leads us down a path of understanding and being able to question these things. You know, I think of John, you and I at school, and I think specifically about diversity. Um, teachers, when, when, when they become, I sure hope so, teachers, when they take jobs in schools, they care about students. I mean, that, that's, why you, that's why you go into teaching. I would assume that's most of, if not all teachers, right? And they want what's best for every student. And so it's easier to go into a discussion perhaps about diversity, you know, but, but not saying you screwed up and you have white privilege. Like that's a, that's a little bit of a, a rough stance to start out with, right? Instead of entering and saying, do you want what's best for students? And are there some students that need more help than other ones? You know, there's a, there's a different way to talk about and to approach different issues. And I just, I, I do wonder about that. Now, I think what that takes though is because if you're stuck, you might not be able to see that path. Um, you need somebody who's going to be in a mindset of growth, um, but that also feels safe enough to share those things without being outcast from such groups. Um, I, I specifically wrote down safe space on my paper because uh, I'm thinking it's really easy for, for me to s sit here and talk about this subject and be like, well, just bring it up and, you know, who cares? Take a risk. But I can only speak for myself and I know that there are many other people who do not feel safe enough to say things. So how do you get to a space to where you can share and be wrong? You know, like Zach, you, you talked about being wrong. You know, and posing questions that may not be answered and having, uh, John, in past episodes, you talk about having a dialogue and not a discussion and being able to have a dialogue with people. Um, I don't think that looks like being on Facebook. <laughs> there's no dialogue. There's, there's discussion. Um, and with COVID, I think it's only increased our chronic anxiety because how often can you have a, a dialogue with nobody? <laughs> Through Zoom? I don't think so. Um, I don't know. That's where my mind was. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to wrap all yeah, up. No, crash so, so uh, you know, the second part of that question is how can I change my role? So I think the first thing that people should ask themselves is what is your current role in a controversial topic, bringing up diversity or bringing up something else? What is my current role? And, and I wrote, you know, passivity, um, could be, listening, could be advocating, could be questioning. And I think, you know, that second question is what can a leader do? It's be more flexible on that. Mm. Not always be advocating, not always be quiet, not being checked out, but mm -hmm. having the flexible application of advocating, listening, questioning, and, uh, and sometimes just being quiet and letting others speak. So I think there's some flexibility in terms of the way we conduct ourselves, which can help, which can help things get perhaps unstuck. So that would be my second thought to that question. 
And throughout both of what you're saying, John, with your second question, how can I change my role? And what Alex is saying about about making a safe space so that others can feel that opportunity to talk, I think there's this this question of, is it valuable enough that I should do that, mm. right? Should I share mm. when the opportunity is presenting itself, especially if there's a fear-based, or should I change my role? Is there really a need to? Isn't this someone else's role to do that? Aren't they more equipped? And I think that that's another question that, that sort of plays a part in this whole diversity is, you know, how can we highlight We're kind of jumping a smidge into what my application is, um, but it would be how do we show the value of diversity? How do we show the value that other perspectives can have? How do we make it desirable both for discourse and discussion and dialogue as well as to make part of our role different to encourage that? Mm. I think that's a hard question for a lot of people. Mm Mm-hmm. We think in triangles here on the podcast, and one of the applications of a triangle is you can't influence, at least very easily, the offside of the triangle. Mm. And so when you think about diversity, and and let's say you have an advocate at the top of the triangle, and then a a bystander on the point B in the lower left-hand corner, and then the topic of diversity... And trying to convince the bystander to get off the sidelines, diversity is important, value diversity, mm-hmm. continually trying to influence that offside of the triangle is likely going to lead that person, the, 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 the kind of the bystander, to, to shrink back even more, I think, of pursuit and distance. The more we anxiously pursue a topic and try to convince people, the more likely they are to, to at least mentally move the other way and close down. But what you said, Zach, is you've taken that triangle example and flipped it on its side and said to a prospective employer or a boss, this is why diversity matters. And if we can come to an agreement, like you said, Alex, earlier, we value education here. We value students. We care about students. Yes, Mm -hmm. we agree on that. And we also know that some students need more assistance than others. Do we agree on that? Mm -hmm. We do agree on that. So now the two of us are on the inside of that triangle, if you will, Mm -hmm. and we're all pointing to the same point of the triangle. We flipped it on its side and Mm -hmm. actually reversed it. But nonetheless, we're now focusing on a common goal, and you mentioned that earlier about the application piece. And I'm interested, Zach, on... You know, as we talk about diversity and difficult topics, we've posed a couple questions. From from a leader's standpoint, uh, how can they address tricky issues uh, in your mind, and and how can leaders apply some of these principles to be more effective in the workplace, at home, uh, on the sports team that they manage? Uh, what are your thoughts on the application piece? Maybe sports. You could start with that first. Say that again. The sports ball. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Lots of metaphors, please. Yeah. Uh, touchdown. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, one of the things that I, I think through with this is um, more questions. So, I mean, you, you tossed me the ball. I fumble it a little bit, John, but um, here, here's what I'm thinking. So some some good questions to follow that question with. Uh, what don't I know and what am I assuming? 
um, are, are questions that I love to ask because a lot of, at least my fear and a lot of fear specifically with diversity is what can I say? What don't I know that I should know? Yeah. And, and, you know, our response to that is genuine curiosity, right? Mm. You do your best to make it a safe space and you do a best, your best to make it a curious one, to ask questions that you really want to know the answer to, mm. you know, and you could even ask that question, <laughs> what don't I know? You have something to offer. What don't I know? And, and um, sort of from that. Uh, Can I stop you real yeah, quick? Yeah, go ahead. Those two questions, think about how those two are linked. Mm -hmm. What I don't know. The more I don't know, the more I have to fill in the blanks with assumptions. Mm -hmm. And if, if my experience in life is this, whatever this is, and I never question or I never talk with individuals who have different experiences, then my perspective is going to be one way. So asking the question, what do my experiences that I have missed, how have they led me to have a very narrow perspective? So asking the question, what don't I know, I think helps to automatically lead to less assumptions you're making. So I see those two questions as connected to one another. Yeah, especially because we're going to carry those assumptions over and not even realize it. Th that big empty space that we fill with assumptions, it just gets carried along until someone, right? This is why it's important as leaders to be open and curious, right? Let's say you're not in the seat of someone who needs to make that realization, but to be able to ask those questions so that other people, as we touched earlier on the podcast, can ask themselves questions and maybe not consciously realize the assumptions that they were making, but to just reconsider things. Right. And that's that's why questions are so important rather than the opinions and statements that we tend to make. We think it's not what don't I know. Right. That's not the question we generally ask. It's what should I know mm. and how can I state it so that I sound like I know what I'm talking about. Right. Mm -hmm. Especially in an age where we're constantly surveilled and you could be canceled for a tweet however many years ago. Mm -hmm. Maybe you should. Maybe you shouldn't. That's not the point. But there's that anxiety that's carried in the background as well that adds a layer of difficulty to this whole conversation. Mm -hmm. Things follow you nowadays mm -hmm. uh, more so than before. And, and so kind of going off of that um, related to the questions and assumptions is uh, specifically relating to diversity is what is my current experience with diversity? How can I recognize what diversity I've already been engaged with, maybe on a smaller scale. Um, let's talk about economic diversity. You know, mm -hmm. I grew up in a school that was largely white and I didn't realize until I was much older that there was a much greater level of economic diversity in my school, even though it was um, very racially um, uniform, right? Uh, but, but there was an economic diversity there that I never recognized or appreciated. And that awareness helped me change the way that I approached people and made me more comfortable to some degree with that type of diversity. Um, cause I realized I had experienced some level of it rather than that idea of I've been in the same culture my whole life. Well, no, there's, there's other ways I've touched other people who are different than me. Um, and learning to grow and to recognize that makes me a little more comfortable mm -hmm. in touching these other areas and assumptions that I might have with much bigger topics. Mm -hmm. Like, um, yeah. Yeah, it sounds to me, Zach, that <clears throat> what you're also speaking of here is as a leader, 
Uh, if you have this difficult topic, whatever it may be, that needs to be approached to the people you're leading, there needs to be some deep thought on your own part of how you're going to approach that. Um, because just flippantly throwing something out that we need to change something. It's funny. I, I think of like, um, I think of the office and other episodes that they've kind of spoofed these things. Well, diversity is important, you know, it's gotta be a part of our mission now. You know what I mean? It's like, well, and John, we talked, I mean, you, you talked about this too. Like, well, maybe there's other things in your mission and your goals that actually filter right into diversity that you've already been believing in and you just need to go back and remember which direction you're actually supposed to be going into. Well, and I think what you say there, uh, flip it on its head, it's thoughtfulness is very, very important. Mm -hmm. But the thing that you really said there about Michael Scott is flippancy can be very hurtful mm -hmm. when you make light of something that you've made assumptions about or making mm -hmm. assumptions about or are uncomfortable with. We tend to make jokes Mm -hmm. um, in order to try and grapple with it, yep. right, to remain as close as we are to whatever that topic is, it gives us a, just a, a little bit of space, but it's supposed to less, but it often creates this this feeling of not being heard and, and causes the other side to create the distance, which is not what you want. Yeah. And so you don't necessarily have to have been thoughtful about this necessarily in advance, right? But you need to posture yourself that when you come across things like this, you're cautious of flippancy and you respond thoughtfully, mm -hmm. not flippantly. And I think if you do respond flippantly and someone senses that, that they should say it. You know, I just felt like that comment mm -hmm. was insensitive. That's just how I see it. Maybe you could explain it more fully. This is the dialogue going back and forth. So instead of just having a discussion where each side says or each person says what they believe and somebody else says what they believe, mm -hmm. but you respond to the other person and say, you know, what you just said there, I thought was insensitive. Mm -hmm. And then like stop talking and have the person respond to that. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I did, my, my goal wasn't to be insensitive. This is my, I'm communicating my thinking mm -hmm. and, you know, part of growing up, if you will, is allowing people to speak and know that words aren't typically, at least in dialogue, intended to hurt. Um, one of the things, Zach, you mentioned, I just made some notes while you guys were talking back and forth about diversity, since that's how we started this topic. But if we can make the unknown more known, mm -hmm. if we, with anything, if we can make the unknown more known... If we can take what if and make it what is, we take anxiety from chronic to acute. And that's the uncomfortable piece that you talked about earlier. But once we do that, once we kind of get things out in the open and get things in, in a, a mode of discussion, ultimately it can lead to higher functioning for everybody, for a system. But it's just getting through that and... and and having that dialogue. Um, so I, I just made a note here of making the unknown more known and that ultimately can lead to a calmer system. And just kind of from that and your previous comment, John, you know, if someone's flippant, tell them, hey, I think that was an unkind from way to respond. From my perspective. And in the same way, you know, making the unknown more known, I think that leaders ought to foster 
the ability of those around them to say things appropriately that the way that they are. I think that being in a conscious understanding of the way that we understand reality and presenting that, um, that specifically as it relates to oneself too, I feel this way, being able to both verbalize that and communicate that with someone else in a way that is not necessarily unnecessarily pointed or barbed or offensive or, um, mm-hmm. causing conflict to be able to say that is, is a skill that is very difficult, especially for younger employees in a work system for people who are new at something, but in a life skill as well, how hard is it to communicate, um, even just to family members, this is the way things are. This is how I feel when you do that. And I know you've been doing it for years. And now I've learned that this bothers me. Can we talk about how to change things moving forward? Mm-hmm. Well, gentlemen, I think it's been fascinating. So I think it was fascinating. I, I, I do think it's interesting. I think you could take in diversity and plopped any controversial whatever in the middle of, of this discussion and uh, what's good about why we have enjoyed Bowen Family Systems series because you could pretty much do that with a lot of things because <laughs> it's the system underneath, it's the anxiety underneath that's really pushing things around. The human experience. Yep. I do I really appreciate what you guys had to say about um, bringing <clears throat> more facts to the table, making the unknown known, stating your feelings. We've talked about I statements before in this podcast, um, and that's a that's a, a this is a lifelong journey. Um, in addition. On this podcast, we always say you can take everything we say and throw it out the window if you don't agree with us. Um, but we have, from personal experience, have found great growth um, in our lives because of the study and practice of, of, of some of these things. So with that, uh, you can email us at ofleadership at gmail.com. Check out our website at ofleadership.com. Um, thank you for finding us on all the podcasting services, Jetler, The Sick, Beep boops, boop boop beep boop, and and that's that. I think that's that. That's a wrap. That's a wrap. I'm Alex. I'm John. And I like my wraps with ranch. Oh, interesting. I like buffalo chicken wraps, but oh, gotta love those. bread. So I'm gonna say goodbye now. Boop. <laughs> See you around. <laughs>